Are Nike and Jordan brand watering down the legacy of the Jordan 1 Chicago's with the upcoming Lost and Found release? We'll discuss this week on Fire Footwear. What's up, my sneaker fam? Welcome back to Fire Footwear, a sneaker podcast hosted by me, Matty Ice, and this is a part of the Matty Ice Media Network. I hope that this finds you well, and I want to say welcome to everybody old and new in terms of listenership. I appreciate every single one of you. A few weeks ago, I did a narrated episode that outlined a little bit of a brief history of the Jordan 1. Obviously, it wasn't complete. Obviously, I don't have the time to go and research it completely, but I thought it was an interesting take and a look on the Jordan 1. And in it, I talked about how it was considered the sneaker that started it all, and I mean sneaker culture. And really, when you think about it, it is what sneaker culture is today. And it was started when Michael Jordan signed on with Nike and the Jordan 1 was born. And if you went out today and you went out into the street and you pulled sneaker heads everywhere and you asked them what shoe they think of when they think of the Jordan 1, my guess is that the Chicago's would be the colorway that everybody would talk about. It's an interesting thing. And what we have now is I think it was on November 18th, we have a new release of a Jordan 1. And at first it was called the Jordan 1 Chicago Reimagined. And everybody flipped out when they saw that there was going to be a Jordan 1 Chicago release because the Jordan 1 Chicago is the shoe of shoes. In my opinion, so many times when you look at sneaker websites, when you look at sneaker Instagram, a lot of times they have a picture of the Jordan 1 Chicago as their logo, because honestly, that is the sneaker that started it all. And it's the sneaker I think that represents everything that we are doing today. Usually what happens, the cadence of releases, if we kind of find out months in advance, usually like eight or nine months in advance, what shoes are going to release and we get a little bit of a tease. Sometimes we get some samples, sometimes we get mock-ups. And then as time rolls on, we get a little bit more information and we end up seeing real on-feet pictures and then we finally see the official pictures. In this particular case, everybody knew that there was going to be a Chicago-related Jordan 1 release, and many, many people hoped that it was going to be a true retro because the classics never die. I've said that before. And what we found is that it's going to be called the Lost and Found. Initially, it was called Reimagine, and what people groaned when they heard that because they thought, oh no, they're gonna have some type of a cutesy Jordan 1 Chicago release. What we know now is that the Lost and Found is actually a pretty neat little idea. The concept is that you got access to a mom and pop store's inventory and you found an old pair of Jordan 1 Chicago's out there from 1985. Obviously, the concept is just that is a concept, and while it is cool, Obviously, it couldn't happen in reality because if you found a near 40-year-old pair of sneakers, there's no way it's going to be intact. But Nike went the distance in making it as real as they could, having a little bit of a weathered leather on the collar, having a yellowed outsole. The box obviously looks worn. It is a very, very old box in terms of nostalgia. There is a slip from a mom and pop store in there. They really went the distance to try to make this release feel as vintage as possible. And I think that that's actually a really, really cool idea. As I was perusing the internet doing some research, my initial topic for this episode was going to be the Jordan 1 Chicago release history. And while that is interesting in the fact that there's so many inspired shoes, I came across an article that questioned the validity of this particular idea. The concept was that, hey, this lost and found concept actually sucks. 
And what it does is it waters down the history. Because if you think about it, and I've said this before, the best sneakers are the ones that have stories, the ones that have history. They're part of sneaker lore. That's why the Jordan 1 is so great because it is basically steeped in lore. I mean, it started the whole lore. So all the retros, all of the original Jordan colorways and silhouettes, those are valuable because they have a history, because they are steeped in that lore. And so what the article talked about was the fact that what Nike is doing is playing to sneaker culture, but not quite playing to their own history. They're almost playing themselves because they're not giving us a true retro. And retros are supposed to be, they're supposed to be rare. You're not supposed to get a retro every single year because that also would water down the history. It would water down the meaning of those shoes. But when I started looking at this release, I started thinking about it from this article's perspective. Now, keep in mind, this article is one person. It's one person's opinion. But today in sneaker culture and today in our world, opinions matter. People have opinions and they're going to share them. And I could see where this person was coming from. When you take something as classic and iconic as the Jordan 1 Chicago, a shoe that everybody wants but not everybody can get, when you are taking it and not giving it the full treatment, the full retro treatment, what you're doing is kind of watering it down a little bit because it feels very gimmicky. Anybody who has this shoe obviously has it in 2022, and a lot of people that are buying shoes today and wearing them aren't necessarily people for whom sneaker culture was a thing until it became profitable and cool. Nowadays, sneakers are cool. They're worn by everybody. And it kind of makes me feel a little bit like a poser at times because I get into the sneaker game a little bit later in 2018, obviously. But my history with sneakers had gone all the way back from childhood. I just wasn't able to have them materialistically in front of me or buy them because it was something that sort of passed me by. My life path went a different direction from sneakers and it came back around as I was an adult and had money and could actually buy things for myself. So I can understand the idea that something like this would seem like it's watering down the product and watering down the history because it's paying homage to something, but doing it in a way that's not actually paying homage to the real thing. What most classic sneakerheads, the old heads, there's that term again, I talked about that in the return episode of the show, a lot of old heads just want the classics. While it is neat when we remaster something and we reimagine something, that's really an artistic endeavor. But the artistic endeavors are usually led or left to collaborators and other people who are putting their own personal touches on shoes or the Dorenbecker series, which we talked about last week. But when it comes to the real classics, the Jordan 1 Chicago's, the Cement 3's, the Black and Red 4's, right, the Flu Games, those are all based off of the history of Michael Jordan. Remember, sneakers weren't what they are today back in 1985. The Jordan 1 Chicago was part of many colorways that came out of the Jordan 1. But when the Jordan 1 released, it sold out. They restocked, it sold out again, and then it became discounted. It was something that actually bricked and they couldn't actually sell it in the volumes that we see today. And it wasn't until the Jordan 3 really resurrected Jordan brand, but it wasn't Jordan brand. They were just Air Jordans back then. Today, we know all of them by number and we know all the colorways of all the numbers because there is a huge lineage of Jordans that has come out. But back in the day, that wasn't the case. Back in the day, they just, they were just Air Jordans. If you went to a mom and pop store to buy them, you were looking for just Air Jordans. It didn't matter which ones they were. You just wanted them. Nowadays, it is different. However, I think that there is some validity to the idea that even reimagining them and giving them this kind of storied treatment 
is paying homage to the lore and the history of them. Because if you think about it, there are probably pairs of Chicago's laying around somewhere. It doesn't have to be in a mom and pop shop. It can be in somebody's basement. It can be in somebody's storage unit that is sitting around and has been sitting around for many, many years. And somebody who's not locked into sneaker culture, who doesn't know anybody who's locked into sneaker culture, just happens to have this, whether they inherited it from somebody who is deceased, whether it's their kid who has left a whole bunch of things behind, you name it. In my dad's attic, there's a whole bunch of baseball cards that I haven't looked at in almost 30 years, but they're there and there could be some very, very valuable pieces in there. I will know whenever it is I go through it. And the same concept is kind of here. Now as to the idea as to whether somebody buying them is a poser or not, well, honestly, I think we just have to come to grips with the fact that sneaker culture today is not what it was back in the late 90s, early 2000s. I think that there was a peak of what sneaker culture was when you had a more physical aspect of it, where you had to go and make physical trades, where you had to go and buy shoes. And that's what I talked about. The old heads love that stuff and that history and what it means to them is valuable to them. And so when a lot of people see reimagining things like this, I think it does take them down to a place where it's not as meaningful. It doesn't have the same punch. And I think they look down upon it. And I think that that's completely valid. But in today's game, where a vast majority of people buying these sneakers really have no idea what the history is, and that may include you, and maybe that's why you're listening. And thank you. I hope that I'm informing you or giving you a little bit of history. But if you're really, really young, you probably haven't watched the game of basketball when Michael Jordan was playing. Whereas people that are my age or a little bit older remember his entire career. 1985, when the Jordan 1 came out, I was two years old. Obviously, I was way too young to appreciate what Michael was doing then. But fast forward to 1991, when I was eight years old, I was old enough to watch sports and I was young enough to be impressionable to where Michael Jordan blew my mind. What he was doing on a basketball court was so enrapturing. And I watched every single NBA finals from 1991 to 1993. And then when he came back, I even had his baseball card. I remember Michael Jordan playing. And I think that when you think about the debate of who is the best player of all time, for many people, it is steeped in nostalgia from whatever era that they grew up in. So quote unquote, the kids today who are buying these sneakers don't really understand why the reimagining and lost and found aspect is cool. It's just a sneaker that they want. And it's a sneaker that other people around them want. If you're in high school right now, this is the sneaker of the year for you. You are trying to get it. And it's going to be very, very difficult. There are a lot of groups out there who are going to try and help. Soul Savvy is one of them. I used to be a member. I think what they're doing is wonderful, even though I don't have the same love at that level. I do appreciate that they're trying to help people not spend as much money on the open market or the aftermarket as they could. But when it comes down to it, the Jordan 1 Chicago's are really an influential shoe. So obviously the debut release came out in 1995. That is considered the colorway that started it all. They didn't retro it again until 1994. And that was when Michael had retired. Michael was playing baseball at this point. But that was the first retro that it released. And it was very, very similar to the 85. We didn't see another retro until 2013, obviously well after Michael had retired. This one had a little bit of changes. There was some Air Jordan branding on the tongue and the heel, and it really stands out as being almost a reimagining rather than a true retro. In 2015, they saw a third retro, so it's amazing that they went nine years in between all the other retros, but two years because I think what happened is the backlash that came from that 2013 release saw a return to traditionalism and another remaster of it that I think was more truer to the 1985 and 1994 form. So if you have the 85, the 94, the 2013, and the 2015 sitting by themselves to compare, I think what you'll see is the 2013 100% stands out and not in the ways that most people want. 
seven years later, we have the Lost and Founds. Now, there have been some other shoes that have been inspired by the Jordan 1s. Ones I used to own were called the Jordan 1.5s, the Returns. And what it did was it combined the upper of the Jordan 1 Chicago with that classic white and red look and the outsole of the Jordan 2. Now, there's history to that, too, because when Michael came back from a knee injury in his second season, the Jordan 2 outsole was the way that they tried to make the Jordan 1, which was his only Jordan at the time, technologically up to date for his bum knee. And that's how that shoe came along. It never really came to fruition in terms of mass production until 2015. I owned a pair. The materials weren't nearly as good as I would have hoped for out of a Jordan 1 with the Chicago look. But hey, it is what it is. But over the years, we have seen many Chicago-inspired releases. And I think that when you think about a shoe like the Jordan 1 Chicago, it is the shoe that started it all because it's been so influential. Now, here's some of the ones to consider. Your mileage may vary on which ones you like, but I think the one that stands out to me the most was the Off-White Chicago's from the Virgil Abloh series, the 10. Amazing. They're probably the most repped. They're probably the most expensive of the three Jordan 1s that he remastered in a DIY kind of look or a deconstructed look. They're hot. They're really, really hot, and they pay homage to the history. The Trophy Room Chicago 1s from recently, when they iced out Michael Jordan in the 1985 All-Star Game, when Marcus Jordan, his son, in Trophy Room, designed them. Now, there's a lot of... A lot of extracurricular activities that took place around that in terms of backdooring, but the idea was that it looked like a Jordan 1 Chicago just with some different flares on it. Those sold out immediately. People are paying a lot of money for those. So that's a reimagining. So how much different is that from the Lost and Found? Then you have the Chicago SB Dunk Lows, which were amazing. Now, I don't believe that they released here in the States. I think they were a European release. I can't remember, but obviously those are directly descendant of the Jordan 1 Chicago's. The Jordan 312s, which were a widely panned silhouette. I actually have a pair of them that I really, really like, but they did a Chicago colorway of those, I think in a low top. The Chicago golf shoes that came out, I think in 2021, even those sold out. How many sneakerheads are actually playing golf? There's probably a lot of them, but not enough to make a mass release that would sell out. I mean, those golf shoes are expensive. And the other one that I think of is the 2018, the Black Toe Unions. Now, the Black Toes, of course, are a Jordan 1. They're an original colorway, but they are not the Jordan 1 Chicago's. And so these are a little bit more inspired by the Black Toe, but the Black Toe is obviously inspired by the Chicago's and the Chicago Bulls look. But then outside of the Jordan 1s, you got the Jordan 4 Black and Red, the Flu Game 12s, like I mentioned. How about the Dunk Contest Cement 3s? Those are amazing. Very, very simple. White, red, black. That's what you get. The bread Jordan 11s. He wore those during the 72-win season. Or the band Jordan 1s. Those are the ones that we kind of debunked the story a little bit a few weeks ago that it wasn't entirely true that that was the shoe that was banned. But again, black and red. It's classic. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Michael played for the Bulls, and that was their color scheme. But it represents the city of Chicago, and it represents sneaker culture now. And so anytime a Jordan-related product or even a Nike product, even if it's an SB, is going to come out with something that looks like the Jordan 1 Chicago, it's going to make money. And my question to you is, what is your favorite of the Chicago-inspired releases? Is it the 2017 Off-Whites? Is it the Jordan 1 Chicago itself? And how are you really feeling about this release? Do you like it when Nike and other shoe brands take a new approach to a classic? Or are you just one of those people that wants the damn classic? You just want them to release them. And another question that I have is, should they be retroing them more? Would that actually take more away from the history if we saw more retro releases that were true to the original? Or do you think that when they go for a more reimagined approach like this Lost and Found, that that actually is the real culprit? Reach out to me on Instagram. Fire Footwear Pod is the handle to find me on Instagram. If you want to find me personally on Twitter, it's at Maddie Ice Freights. That is the handle. I'm more active on Twitter than Instagram, but you are certainly more welcome to find me there. And of course, if you want to find not only this podcast, but other podcasts as a part of the Maddie Ice Media Network, 
visit our website, www.mattyicemedia.com. If you are listening on Apple or Spotify, please take the time to hit those stars and hit the follow button. Ratings and reviews, whether it's on Apple or Spotify, mean the world. They help me to grow and get on those charts. We had been on the Apple podcast charts and that was amazing. And I really, really appreciate everybody's support. I hope that this finds you well. I wish you luck in this new release. I'm definitely going to be going out for them because while maybe I'll be a poser for wearing them, they are an absolutely hot shoe and you cannot go wrong with a classic look like that. I wish everybody luck. I hope that this finds you safe and I will talk to you next week. This is Fire Footwear. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Fire Footwear are those of Matt Freights and his guests and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Fire Footwear is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.